And uh, wow, so we, this is a very personal thing for us. Um, I was telling Megan last night, I said, I don't know why. I mean, we have left countries to go to other countries. We've left churches to join other churches. Um, but this definitely feels the hardest. Um, and, uh, and I was trying to figure out why, and even in my quiet time with the Lord, we've been having to have lots of quiet times just to get through this. Every, <laughs> every morning for weeks now, we've been uh, thinking about this Sunday. It's this Sunday especially, thinking of our last Sunday here, and it's been overwhelming. It's hard to get through it. Uh, the reason it's our last Sunday here is next Sunday we're spending it with the Meritsburg crew where we started. We were there for three years before we moved to Durban, and we're saying goodbye to them, and um, that's next Sunday. And Stan did mention the 5th of December. That's the Saturday, and at 8 in the morning, we are driving out from Glenridge, so we can't meet at the airport. We're actually flying out of Johannesburg. We're taking our car there and um, driving out. So if you do want to come and say goodbye, we forgot to mention it in the first service, so you could spread the news if people do want to come. But at the same time, you're probably thinking, um, you know, how many times do we have to say goodbye to this family? <laughs> so, so, so please, no obligation um, to come. But if you do want to come, and, and uh, we just want to have one more Glenridge cappuccino before we set out. That's why we're actually doing that. And, uh, and I couldn't figure out exactly why it feels so much bigger this time. And, and I, and I think there's lots of reasons I was journaling with God this morning. Is it this? Is it that? And, and I just felt uh, part of the reason is because it's the first place where we leave um, as, a, as a family very, very much aware of what we're giving up. Um, and it's not just Megan and me taking little toddlers to the next thing. Um, the, our children have grown up in this church. Um, significant things have happened in their lives as a result. Our whole family has been changed and, and, and influenced. Um, Anya was baptized in this church. The Jonas, right up there where he, he was on security duty and someone was preaching, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit spontaneously, spoke in tongues for the first time as he was on security. That's what happens at Glenridge, you know, God, you come in and you're somewhere else and not even thinking that you're going to be a part of it, and then all of a sudden God just gets you. It happens all the time. It's happened to us numerous times. Um, I remember uh, leading worship once, and like the Holy Spirit was all over, and I just burst into tears and I couldn't carry on. I was in a puddle of tears, and I was just thinking, this is Glenridge does this to you. <laughs> they, they just, Holy Spirit loves to move at Glenridge, and so many things. We've seen youth come through here, and Art, uh, Jonas and Eden, we got to be a part particularly with them, and, and Day as well, uh, as part of the youth group during those years. So this is a personal thing. It's a big, um, heavy, but, uh, but um, special. And uh, yeah, I, I, I gave a picture to the elders. This morning, I thought about Mary Poppins. <laughs> I, know, uh, I don't know why it came to my mind, but I thought about that last scene, and I, I SMSed it, I WhatsApped it to the elders. I said, it feels like this, that last scene where the Banks family is flying kites. You remember that? And, and their family has been changed, and, and uh, Mary Poppins came into their life 
and there's a sense where she's leaving and there's a grieving, um, but yet there's this joy and anticipation of the future and there's family and there's a bright hope ahead of them and they're flying kites and there's something special at that moment and, and, they, and, and they know that it was for a season that was changed and, and it goes on and it feels like Glenridge is like the Mary Poppins in our lives. You know, we know that Glenridge has been this miraculous, magical thing that's happened to us. Can I say magical here? But miraculous, um, spectacular thing that's happened to us, and we are better for it. We are changed because of it, and we're full of hope even in the midst of the loss. Um, so we want to thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm going to let Megan carry on from here, and then I'm going to come back and share a few things. Megan's going to talk a little bit about the lessons we've learned along God's faith journey that we've been on. Got that. Let me open it for you. Thanks, babe. That video Can was amazing. And the dance. Oh, it was and amazing. The shine Kids, thank oh, you so much. Thank you so much. How's everybody doing? Guys, it's our second time, so we're like, we're going to be a wreck after these two services. <laughs> Um, but it's quite overwhelming to try and think about what you want to share with people for the last time. Um, and so I was like, what? I don't know, what do I, our hearts are so full, our minds are so full of so many things. And obviously it's our time at Glenridge that we're saying goodbye to, but it's also our time in South Africa um, as a whole. And it has been a completely life transforming time for us. We definitely, we carry Africa very much in our hearts. So it's been quite a painful process, um, but knowing God's grace in it. And as I was praying about what to say, I kept just hearing the word faith um, over and over again. And as many of you will remember, this is what God spoke to us at the beginning of this year, hey? And none of us knew exactly how this year was going to turn out. And we needed more faith than we realized through this year. And I really believe it is still a word that God is speaking and working in us as a community. This has been a year of faith, and our journey will continue to be a faith journey. And for us, that has been what God has worked in us so much in our faith journey. So as Drew said, I'm going to just talk a little bit about some of the lessons that we've learned. And so we moved out from the States when I was 20, and then we haven't lived there since. So it's quite a big, it's been quite a big uh, shift for us moving back. It was a big faith step moving from America to the, to the UK. So we were in Texas and, you know, Texas and the UK are about as different as you can get. So we had some really interesting times getting into the culture there. We absolutely loved our time in England. And then moving to Peter Maritzburg, we actually originally said yes to South Africa and thought we were going to Cape Town. And then the leader, that was like, wonderful, we're so excited. There is a church in Peter Maritzburg. And we were like, so where, where's Peter what? And, and so we, like, we looked up pictures and the only pictures we could find were ones of just the courthouse over and over and over again. Now, all you Maritzburg people, we love Peter Maritzburg. So we were there for three years, we loved our time there. And then, then even making a step of faith and coming to Durban and now back to the States. So it feels like we've kind of done this full circle that God has taken us on. And many steps of the journey have not actually been what we've planned or what we've felt beforehand or felt like, yes, this is where we want to go. We're there. It's often been a word from God and we feel like, gosh, I don't know how this is going to work out, but we have to obey. And then God's grace has come 
and given us such a love for the people and the place that then we wonder, how did we ever live without all these people in our lives? And it's interesting, so when we came to the UK, we thought we would just be there for one or two years. So as you'll see, most of what has happened in our lives has not been what we've expected. And we ended up staying for six, and during that time, um, I think it was in the first year, the pastor of that church said to Drew, said, I feel like God has a call over you for full-time church ministry. And Drew said, no, actually, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Um, and then within a year, he was working full-time, and we've been serving the church since. As we were looking for our next step after England, we looked in so many different places. We knew we wanted to be in Africa. We were looking at Niger. We traveled to Tanzania and Kenya. And I actually said out loud, it's, I really don't want to go to South Africa. I don't think that's where we're supposed to be. And then, of course, God brought us to South Africa. And, and then in Peter Marisburg, you would have thought I would have learned my lesson. And they wanted to plant a church in Durban. And I was like, no, Durban, it's not where we want to be. It's so crowded. And we would drive through trying to get to the beach. And then, of course, that is where <laughs> Jesus wanted us to come. And it's been so amazing because every, every step um, we have absolutely loved. We have absolutely loved. And we've had experience now, now that God has, you know, put on our hearts to go to the States. Again, that was not on my list of next steps for us. So we felt God stirring us to move. Um, I had a lot of ideas that I was sharing with God. So I was thinking Greece would be a wonderful option, that they need Jesus in Greece, right? And, and maybe South America, somewhere like Brazil, so I would talk about these options often with Jesus, and very graciously, he began to persistently soften our hearts and speak to us about moving back to the place where we had originally come from, which again, was not part of our plan. But because we've had experience now in that story over and over again of saying no, and then God leads us there, we knew that he would provide, and every place he's provided completely for all of our needs. He's given us an absolute love for the people and the place, and we've always left wondering how we ever lived without all these people, and that's how we feel right now. We feel like God is asking us to leave a place that has become our family, our community, our teachers, that has been our family when we've had difficult things happen in our lives and when we've had joyful things to celebrate. You guys have been there celebrating with us. And so it's been a painful decision um, to make to go. But as I look back on the journey, we are completely overwhelmed with all that God has done. And I just want to share a few things quickly of what he's really is still teaching us as we take this journey. First thing is obedience first and then feelings. So that has really been our story. We commit to obey Jesus first. It has not always been what we have felt like doing or that we've even wanted to do. But as we've obeyed, the feelings have followed, the grace has followed, and the love for that place has followed. And it's often been uncomfortable, and it's often been a little bit difficult, but God's grace has always come. So obedience before feelings. Secondly, it's not about us. So our, obviously Jesus loves us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us good things. But ultimately, we're called to lay down our lives just like Jesus did. We are saved to save. We are healed to heal. And we're set free, yes, for ourselves, but we're always set free for a purpose in order to set others free as well. And I love this quote by a woman named Lilius Trotter. She's one of my favorite authors. She says this, we ourselves are saved to save. We are made to give. 
to let everything go if only we may have more to give. The pebble takes in all the rays of light that fall on it, but the diamond flashes them out again. Every little facet is a means, not simply of drinking more in, but of giving out. So it's not about us. We are given so much in order that we can give away. Thirdly, we live for legacy. And Nick had a great word for us at prayer meeting on Thursday about legacy. And it's something that means so much to us because a big thing on our journey that God has taught us is that the decisions we're making with our children, with ourselves, right now for God are not just for us presently, they're actually for generations. So the decisions that you guys are making right now will affect future generations. And whether that is with your natural born children, whether that's with spiritual children or people, God calls you the impact along the way that your decisions make a difference for generations. And that's something we've really had to think about as we've said yes to going to the States because it's been quite uncomfortable and it's been quite a painful journey for our children especially. And it would have been very easy to just say, actually, let's just wait. Let's just wait a little bit. It's feeling a bit uncomfortable and hard at the moment. So let's give it a bit more time. But we knew clearly God was saying, now is the time. And we would actually be doing our children a disservice if we did not obey what Jesus was saying, even if it was difficult. And if you think about the great men and women in Hebrews 11 who didn't even receive what had been promised to them. So they lived lives full of faith for future generations. And that's what we want to do. We want to live lives of faith for future generations. Fourthly, God has taught us to make decisions. We're still learning this one. Well, all of them, but certainly this one. Making decisions out of faith, not fear. So this has been key when we have had to make big decisions in life, whether it was with whatever it was, moving um, with our children. We've had to ask the question, is the foundation of this decision I'm making based on fear of us being afraid, so we're actually making a plan, or is it based on faith? Faith in a God who can do the impossible. And in Hebrews 11, this is the message version, it says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. I love that. It's our handle on what we can't see. So foundations from where we do things, it matters. And fifthly, we are building for eternity. In Hebrews, it says of Abraham, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And you know, we've all seen that illustration of that rope that goes like all around the room and there's like a small part of it colored in and that represents our life here on earth. And you know, we hear it and we're like, yes, that's so good. But actually living like that is a different story. And, and I think Jesus calls us to invest as much as we can on those things that are gonna be eternal. So we've had to ask ourselves the question is what we're worried about, what we're invested in, what we're thinking about all the time, are those things the things that are gonna last forever? Because we are actually a people that are called to build for eternity. We are called to build for someone else to a city whose foundations an architect and builder is God, not us. So faith is actually a simple thing, but it will cost you everything. But in the end, in the end of it all, you realize it actually hasn't cost us anything. The journey with Jesus is so worth it. And I'll finish with another quote by Lilius Trotter. I shared this with the leadership before, actually right before lockdown. 
And she says this about faith. She says, trained faith is a triumphant gladness in having nothing but God. No rest, no foothold, having nothing but himself. A triumphant gladness in swinging out into that abyss, rejoicing in every fresh emergency that is going to prove him true. The Lord alone, that is trained faith. So Glenridge, we will miss you so, so much. We will miss you dearly. Thank you for loving us, for shaping us. Thank you for being our family when we were so far from our own. God has taught us so much on our faith journey here with you. And you are a church that does these things. You are a church of radical obedience that lays down her life for others. You sow seeds for future generations. You make decisions based on faith and you build for an eternal glory. Keep building like that as individuals and as a community, a people of radical faith. And we just pray that everything we've learned here, we can just pour out wherever we go. So wherever we go, they're going to be getting bits of Glenridge all over the world because of the impact and the seeds that God has planted in us from you. And our prayer is that your next season will continue to be one of mature faith that swings out into that abyss with full trust in the one who is holding everything together. We love you all very, very much. I met her when she was 13. I took her on her first date, her first date, when she was 14. My children's first date, my children's first date will be when they're 35. <laughs> I asked her to be my girlfriend when she was 15. I didn't let her go. Wasn't I smart? <laughs> How smart was I? Yeah, that was a smart move. There were a lot of unsmart moves, but that was a smart move. Okay, let me see. Um, I'd love for you to turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, and it will come up on the screen. Thank you very much. Um, I can't think of a better verse that, that I believe describes Glenridge than these verses. It was Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonia, Thessalon Thessaloniki as they say nowadays, or it, in Thessaloniki, but some call it Thessalonica. And he says this in verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith in the labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and full of conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, 
but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. These words could be spoken of Glenridge. Glenridge, we're going to miss you. And there's really not enough time to speak about all the things that we're going to miss and do justice to all the ways in which you have actually impacted and changed our lives. So I'm just going to mention a few through a story that happened to me back in, actually I figured out today, it was February 2008. And uh, I started learning how to surf at the end of 2006 um, when we had moved to Durban and I learned to surf in Durban. And uh, so I was really a new newbie even in February 2008. You know, it, it, it takes years to learn how to surf, especially if you decide to start at 31 years old, 30, 31. And uh, so I was very new with surfing, and I was invited to go down to a youth leaders kind of conference and speak at this thing. It was a small little gathering of things down at Scarborough. And so I went down there, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to catch a wave before I go back to Durban. So after the conference was over, I uh, drove down to the Scottborough Beach, and I didn't even check the waves because I was in such a hurry. I put my swim cozy on, I grabbed my surfboard, and I ran down and paddled, and I got to, to backline like very quickly. In fact, I, was very pr I remember being very proud of myself for having reached backline so quickly. And so I got to back line and I sat up on my surfboard and that's when I noticed that something was wrong. I looked around and I was the only one in the water. And I knew this is not like Scottborough Beach. In fact, I had been to Scottborough Beach before and I had been told by a 12-year-old, get out of my way, you're in my way, I'm trying to surf this break. Beat it, punk. And I thought, I'm going to throttle him, but I've seen how big fathers are down at Scottborough, especially during the holidays when the volleys have come down. But uh, so I thought, I better just take it in the chin, otherwise I'm going to get it in the chin. So I thought, let me just. So I knew this break is full of people, full of snotty-nosed grummets and everybody else that wants to surf this thing. So there's something wrong. And that's when I felt it. Underneath me was this massive swell that came through, almost felt like, like a blue whale had swum underneath my surfboard. And this swell came up. And then I saw between me and the beach, this thing rise up and smash down. Now I found out later that I was in the aftermath of a cyclone that was happening in Madagascar or off of the coast of Madagascar and they were 12-foot waves. I knew that I was in trouble. I saw this wave break and I thought, oh my goodness, that's why nobody is out here. Because this, you'd have to be insane or clueless to be out here. And I was not insane. So I knew I have to start paddling back Otherwise, I'm in serious trouble. Now, I want to stop the story there because I want to bring it back to Glenridge here. And I want to look at these verses again. 
I'm going to go through these verses, but not chronologically like verse 2 to 8. I'm actually going to start in verse 8 and go backwards. Okay, so let's go to verse 8. Paul said this, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. And here is point number one. Glenridge is a big wave break that makes it easy for people to access. It's the first thing I want to mention about you. When we joined Glenridge seven years ago, we knew that this was a special church. We had heard about Glenridge and we'd seen the effects of Glenridge in Durban, but we did not realize just how special Glenridge was and how spiritually big Glenridge was. Glenridge's influence reaches around the world. And if you put it in boxing terms, Glenridge punches above its weight. It's amazing. Megan and I were brought right in to the Glenridge family, right from the beginning, given opportunity to lead, given opportunity to serve, given opportunity to, to use our gifts, play our part, because Glenridge makes it easy for people to come in and get stuck in. Glenridge, you are giants in the kingdom. You are giants in the kingdom. And your waves will reach the nations, and they have, and they will continue to reach the nations. And if you'll continue to allow people to be a part of that legacy, it lets everybody impact the world in ways that they could never own their own. Don't ever think that you're doing a small or an insignificant thing. None of you are doing a small and insignificant thing. You're a part of a massive wave. Now, the difference between Glenridge and, and that moment in my story is that I was left clueless, not knowing how to manage this thing. Glenridge doesn't let people stay in that place. Glenridge brings you in, equips you, trains you, and is able to send you out. I know one of Stan's dreams is that we would be able to take anybody that comes through Glenridge, put them anywhere in the world, and they'll know what to do, and they'll start making big waves there. And we've seen that over and over again. It will continue, and many of you will experience that as you go on God's journey for you. Don't stop discipling the nations in this way. So there I was, in over my head in 12-foot waves in Scarborough, and I get down and I start paddling for sure for my life. So I, what, what I didn't know at that time was the way that rips work, because I had been caught unknowingly in a rip that was pulling me out to sea. And so I was paddling, paddling, but this rip kept pulling me, and I started getting further and further away no matter how hard I paddled. I didn't know then that if you paddle across a rip, you can start making some headway. So I just kept paddling straight into this rip. So I'm paddling and paddling, paddling, getting further and further away. 30 minutes go by, and I am completely exhausted. And now I don't care if I get into that 12-foot wave and get smashed. I just got to get to shore. So I'm just like going, and I'm getting tireder and tireder and tireder. Now, if you know anything about Scottborough Beach and how it's set up, 
you, and I don't know if it's still the same, but back then, what you had is you had this beach, this kind of like cove that was the main beach, and you had these rocks that jet out, and that's where I'd paddle next to the rocks out to the back line. And then you have the, you had this beach, and then you had this little grassy area, and then you had this like two-story complex that has shops in the bottom, and at that time had restaurants at the top. Okay, now mounted on those restaurants on that complex are massive PA speakers so that they can communicate to people on the beach and to surfers that might be out in the water. I'm paddling, and then all of a sudden, I hear this. Uh, surfer in the deep waters. Surfer in the deep waters. If you are in distress in any way, raise up both of your hands. And I'm like, who's oh, talking to me? He's talking about me, and all of Scarborough can hear him talking about me. And now I look up and I can see people start coming, standing up from their towels and looking out like, what's happening out there? What's going on? People are standing. I can see people starting to emerge from their restaurants on that, on the, into the balcony. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, Drew, whatever you do, you will not raise your hands. You will not raise your hands. I thought to myself, you know what, actually, I, I kind of feel like I've got some more energy. I know I'm exhausted, but about, you know, I've only been going about half an hour, another half hour, I'm, I know I'm going to make it. So I just put down, I just keep paddling. Now it brings me to my second point. Verse 6 says this, verse 6 and 7 say, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you receive the word in much affliction word, with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Second point, Glenridge is not afraid of weakness and pain and vulnerability. In fact, they have an amazing way of turning that very thing into joy, the strength of the Lord. That's what we've seen at Glenridge. Glenridge does not put on airs and graces. Have you seen your pastor this morning? I've never seen a pastor look like that before, ever. We have found ordinary people who struggle just like us at Glenridge and who aren't afraid to say, that's me too. You don't get that in churches anywhere in the world, often. In fact, it's the very opposite in many churches, sadly, in the world. At Glenridge, it is an authentic community. It's a place where people come broken and they encounter others who don't judge them, but instead come alongside of them and are very vulnerable with their own weaknesses. That is a beautiful and rare thing. And it says in these verses that you're an example, the church is an example of all believers. And let me tell you, the reason Glenridge is an example to all believers is not because Glenridge has everything right. It's because Glenridge presses on even when they don't have everything right. It's because Glenridge continues to pursue Jesus through many trials and afflictions. You keep your eyes on Jesus. 
and we don't do everything right. In fact, we do things wrong constantly, and the elders are the worst. I'm totally teasing. Now that we're leaving, the elders might start doing some things right, so that you got some great... But I want to just encourage you, Glenridge, keep loving the afflicted. Keep loving the ones that are too prideful to lift up their hands. Keep loving those that are distressed. Be authentic. Don't put on a show yourself. You never have put on a show. Glenridge has never been about entertaining people, ever. Glenridge is not a slick church. Glenridge is not into impressing people. And it's one of your greatest strengths. It's about following Jesus by His Holy Spirit with all your weaknesses and allowing Him to turn those into joy. That's called authentic discipleship. It's a beautiful thing. So I put my head down and I keep paddling. And I'm just paddling, paddling, paddling. About a minute later, the speakers come on again. <laughs> okay, let me say that again. <laughs> Surfer in the deep waters, if you are distressed in any way, raise up both of your hands. <laughs> now I'm thinking, there's no way this guy is going to let this go. And I start thinking, you know what, but like, what are they going to do? Are they going to send a helicopter? I mean, how far are they going to take this thing? And then I start thinking, you know what, I, I think I might actually be in serious danger. And what, I mean, like, what, what do I do? What, do, do I just, do I, 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 Drew, you might just have to surrender. I was like, I'm going to have to let this go. And so I set up on my surfboard and I swallowed my pride. And with much whimpering, I said, I'm in distress. I'm in distress. And I raise up my hands. And I don't think I got them any higher than this because I was just, I was like, I have some kind of dignity. I can't, I just can't go all the way up, but they see it. I'm sure they see it. And I lift my hands oh, in defeat. He comes back on and he says, okay, right. Like, finally, you know, <laughs> we can all see it. He's thinking, we can all see it. We know you're, you're hurting, so we're going to come help you. So he comes by and he says, okay, right. All right, start paddling toward Back Beach. I'm like, wait, what's Back Beach? I've never heard of Back Beach. What's Back Beach? I have no idea what he's talking about. But what he's talking about is if you look at the beach from his point of view, you see the main beach, and then you have this rocks here, and then you, there's another beach that nobody swims at, and that's called Back Beach, and then there's caravans further on from Back Beach, okay? So he says swim towards Back Beach. I have no idea what he's talking about. I get back on into my uh, paddling. I start paddling the same thing I've been doing, and he says, hey, stop, hey, stop, just stop, all right, just stop. That means he's having a full-on go at me, full-on conversation. Just stop paddling. Look at the caravans. Can you see the caravans? I'm like, point, yeah, there's the caravans. And everyone's like, the caravans, the caravans. Can you see the caravans? I'm like, I see the caravans. I'm like, and then you go, okay. So I point, he says, yeah, that's him. So I start paddling that way. Now, because I start paddling across the rip, I start making some headway getting closer. 
He then says, okay, look at the lifeguard. Now they've placed, a leather lifeguard has gone down, and it's this young, strapping, Greek, godlike 17-year-old. And he's got this yellow floating device. And he says, look at his feet. He's got the floating device. Follow the floating device. And he's there, like Baywatch, and he's like... <laughs> he's like that, just like that. And I'm like, Pat, I'm looking up. Okay, I can see him. I can see him. I'm thinking I'd like to punch him, but I, and he said, I mean, he's looking so cool. I start paddling. I start paddling. Now, as I'm getting closer, I look up and I can see the main beach starts to empty. I can see en masse the beach picks up and everybody starts migrating to back beach. Literally over 200 people stand up and they start moving to Back Beach because they don't want to miss anything. Now, this is a side note about South Africa and what we've come to love. South Africa loves to watch someone fall on their face. And in turn, when they fall on their face, they take it as well. South Africa is absolutely brilliant at laughing at themselves. Every, from, from Leon Schuster to Trevor Noah, you guys have mastered this thing of let's not take ourselves so seriously and let's laugh at one another. I really pray that PC culture doesn't steal that from you because it actually is a unifying thing across the races. Everyone's like, we're going to laugh and in turn they'll laugh at us. And it's just absolutely amazing. And so I'm going. They don't want to miss it. Everybody goes and so I'm paddling, I just see the crowd emerge, the lifeguard's still doing his thing, and I'm going, and now I start to make it. Now this is where it gets interesting, because I start to get to where the waves, the 12-foot waves are breaking. I get to my first wave, it picks me up, 12 feet in the air, remember, I'm not surfing, oh, I wish, I wish. Even if I crashed over, I still wish, but I'm like paddling, it picks me up, takes me up, and then all of a sudden, crashes my surfboard snaps in two boom and the whole beach back beach says yeah <laughs> literally yeah they love it now I grab hold of the one half of my surfboard the other half disappears into the waves and it picks me up again oh, and it takes me down again and they're like yes they're absolutely loving it and then again and I'm just hanging on like, and it goes again, and the beach is just going wild. Finally, I get to the end where the, surf, the lifeguards come, and there's two of them, and they come to help me out. And the first thing the lifeguard says is, you're not from around here, are you? He says, because nobody from around here would be in that. And he helps me out. And the crowd gathers around me as I'm catching my breath and I'm looking like a drowned rat and the Greek gods are next to me like, hey, we just saved his life. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, they saved my life, thank you. The pol a police officer comes through, parts the crowd, comes through, are you okay, young man? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay. A newspaper reporter makes her way to me. Can I get a picture of you with the lifeguards? Like an idiot. I said, yeah, 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 it's okay. 
They stand on either side. I am not kidding. Ripped. I'm, I'm like this. I got this. I land on the front page of the newspaper the next morning. Lifeguards save. It didn't quite say idiot, but lifeguards say save surfer in cyclone waves. And I tried to get a friend of mine from the South Coast to see if you can find it for me. If I ever find it, I'll send it on because I know you'd great, take great delight. <laughs> Literally, net paper. I had this young boy came up to me and he says, I'll never forget you. <laughs> Some other guy was videotaping the thing. You might be able to find it somewhere. But now, now I had to walk back to the main beach past the restaurants. The balconies were still lined with people. And this crowd, they formed like this on either side, like this applause, avenue of applause for me. And uh, as we walk, I've got the lifeguards, I've got the newspaper reporter, I've got the police officer as my entourage, and we walk through and they slow clap me. And it, I'm, all I can think of is, you can get through this. You've just, you've just survived 12-foot waves. You can get through this. But it was worse than the 12-foot waves. And I walked through, and I'm just like, thank you. I'm looking at the balcony. Thank you. Thank you to the lifeguards. It's really for them. Really for them. And oh, my gosh. It was painful. That brings me to my last point. Glenridge. Verse 4 says this. Well, I want to say before I knew that, I was humiliated. But I knew, I knew that it was a miracle. I knew, in that moment, I knew that I had survived something that could have been, had gone seriously wrong for an untrained surfer. And I, I was grateful, and I knew there was something that happened that day. I didn't drown or get hurt, except my pride. In verse 4, it says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in, in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Glenridge is a place where your pride is dealt with but it's also a place where miracles happen. One of the most exciting things for us every Sunday is that anticipation when we get here that anything could happen at Glenridge. We have seen miracles here. I've seen someone's deaf ear pop open right here, right in front where I'm standing. I've seen marriages get back together against all odds. We've seen people saved and added. Before lockdown, we were seeing them saved and added lots. And there were years where we saw almost every week someone getting saved. Miracles have happened here over and over again. And they will continue. Glenridge, keep trusting. You're the ones who taught us how to believe for miracles again, how to see the supernatural, how to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and not just give it lip service, but to actually expect it and step into it. Keep stepping into it. And it may cost you your pride. It's cost Dan his pride today. It may cost you your pride, but keep moving as the Holy Spirit leads so now as the crowds dispersed, there was one man that stayed with me all the way to my car. And he's actually the man who really saved my life that day. He, see, was in an apartment complex about, I, I believe it was eight stories up down the way 
And he's the one who actually spotted me with his binoculars in the waves. He ran down to the surfer's hut to tell them there's somebody that's hurting in distress in, the, in those waves out there. They had not even seen me out there. They were not expecting a surfer to go out there. They'd never seen me out there. He saw me. So as I thanked him as he left, I just remember him walking up and thinking, if it weren't for that man, I needed him in my life. Now, I want to say this to you, Glenridge. The Land family wants to be that man in your life. We are going to be far away, but we will be watching you. And if you are in distress, if Glenridge needs help, we will be here. We will come. If Glenridge needs encouragement, we will encourage. If Glenridge needs someone to say, you can do this, you can actually ride this wave, we're going to be here to tell you that. We want to be those people in your life. And that's our commitment to you. And I want to finish the way that Paul started this letter in verse 2. He said, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. That is our commitment to you. We will not forget you. You've changed our lives. We're here for you anytime you need. Write that on your hearts, and you'll always be on ours. God bless you. Thank you.